It is Canty and Carlin on ESPN Radio, presented by Progressive Insurance. Harry Douglas, Matt Jones. It's been great listening to Canty and Carlin sing for the last four hours. I'm going to miss it, but that's the last time we'll be playing it for those of you that have been with us the whole time. Uh, it's it is a beautiful a beautiful thing. We we were just ta- they were talking about the singing because Hard Knocks starts tonight. We'll talk more about that later. But Aiden Hutchinson apparently performs "Billy Jean" by Michael Jackson. What is your favorite Michael Jackson song, Harry? Is it "Billy Jean"? Is it uh, "Man in the Mirror"? Is it going to be starting something? What is it? Baby be mine. Baby be mine. Yeah. I'm not sure if I'm familiar with that one. Baby be mine. That's all I got for you. You, you can't give me any more information about it. You're just no, going to say it because, and throw because, it out there. Because as soon as I sing, you're going to tell me, oh, you just want to sing. So, nope, that's all I have for you, Matt Jones. Oh, oh, oh you were going to say, okay, I'll tell you what. I'll give you 10 seconds to sing a little bit of it if you want. Nope, I don't want to. <laughs> you got chicken. <laughs> I understand. All right, uh, the college football, the coaches poll came out yesterday, preseason coaches poll. I'm going to shock everyone by saying that Alabama was number one again, which is something that I think surprising happens, happens quite a bit uh, over the over the course of the thing. Ohio State, uh, number two, and it went from there. Who do you believe is the best team in college football going into the season this year? I'm going to go with Alabama, but it's because of what they have offensively and defensively. They're bringing back the Heisman Trophy winner and Bryce Young. Uh, but getting transfer from Georgia Tech and Jameer Gibbs, who I think is one of the best dual threat running backs um, in college football, along with Bajon Robinson at Texas, uh, I, th- I thought that was huge. Now, wide receiver-wise, they was able to do things through the transfer portal with Jamison Williams the year before, and I think they're going to be able to do it again. You got um, Jermaine Burton cam- coming over from Georgia, you have Tyler Harrell coming over from Louisville. Um, yeah, that, that that should shock you a little bit there. I wonder, well, why would he leave Louisville if it's so great? I would thought he would want hey, to stay man, there. Hey, listen, the man decided that he want to go somewhere else. Jacory, How could uh, anyone leave Jacory Louisville? Brooks, what a powerhouse it is. Who actually had the touchdown catch in the last seconds to send the game in overtime against Auburn. But when I look at this team defensively, uh, their defensive line from linebacker core, and I think the strength of Alabama's defense this year, in my eyes, is going to be their secondary. To go along with, I think, the best player in college football, Will Anderson Jr. Yeah, Will Anderson, to me, I mean, he, he probably won't win the Heisman because he just don't give it to defensive players. Which but is he, terrible to me. But he, he, he is probably – he is, I think, the best player in college football. I mean, Alabama, to me, you know, so much of college football changes year to year. Mm-hmm. But the one thing that I think you can do and you're never going to go wrong is just pick Alabama preseason number one every year. And if it doesn't happen, well, oh, well. I mean, you got a 50-50 chance of it being right. When Nick Saban came out, yeah, I have to tell you, Nick Saban, I was somebody who three or four years ago, I was like, Nick Saban does no wrong. Everything Nick Saban does is great. But in the last couple years, I just feel like the guy talks too much, and when he says stuff, it's stupid. I mean, what he, he got in that stupid fight with Jimbo Fisher and A&M. And then his comment last week where he said that this was, quote, a rebuilding year last year for Alabama, a year where I remind you they went to the championship game and were in it in the second half. Does he ever just 
I mean, I don't want to put this on you because you're one of these people that tries to get along with everybody. I don't meet anybody, so it doesn't matter what I call I a say. spade a spade. That's the thing about I, me. I I'm call just telling you, does he not just annoy you with his whining going? I mean, when he loses, why can't he just say Georgia was better? Why does he have to say this was a rebuilding year? He had the Heisman Trophy winner. He had the Heisman Trophy winner, and he's trying to tell me they were rebuilding. See, I actually think he's playing mind games with people by saying that they – were in a rebuild last year with the accomplishments that they still had. They but won what is that? But it doesn't work. Nobody believes it. Nobody's like, you know what? Nick yeah, Saban was rebuilding. Everybody might, thinks they it, were good. It might be one person out there that thinks so. Well, that person's stupid, so who cares what they think anyway? we got to get down just, the list. We can't focus the whole segment on Alabama. Okay, so who is a team since, since the top three are the same three we always have, Alabama, yep. Ohio yep. State, and Georgia? Who's a team outside of that top three you think could surprise people? Ooh, I'm going to go with Clemson. I'm going to go with Clemson. But you can't pick them. Clemson's the fourth best team every year. Who's a team outside of those powers? So stop telling me who I can pick. You said top three. They're at four. Now, as I was saying, Clemson. Clemson. Because I think Clemson has one of the best defensive lines in the country. And uh, a guy that's going in the first round this year in the draft, Brian Breesey, he got hurt last year. But they also have, um, uh, I'm trying to think, Miles Murphy, Tyler Davison, uh, Tyler Davis, uh, K.J. Henry, remember the year where they won a national championship and they had all those guys on the defensive line? I think that's the way it's going to be this year. Um, they actually have a coach coaching their defensive line that was one of the coaches in, in Tennessee for the Titans. So they're going to be able to get that NFL coaching as well. Uh, D.J. Wangale, I think a lot of things are going to be on his shoulders. I think he's going to be better. Uh, young running backs and Kobe Pace and Will Shipley. And Will Shipley really surprised me last year toward the middle end of the year. He came along for um, for the Clemson Tigers and – Dabo, you know, sometimes he can say some things as well. You can't just say Nick Saban, but Dabo is another guy that can just oh, I, go on listen, a tangent when things don't go zero, their way. I have zero for Dabo. He's the most annoying coach in college football. <laughs> I, but I'm telling you, the fact that you picked Clemson, I said, give me a surprise team, and you picked Clemson. My goodness. I mean, you, you picked Clemson. I'm going to at least give you one that's not one of the four teams that's in the playoff every year. Uh-huh. A&M. I think that if, if Jimbo is ever going to get it done at A&M to where he matters beyond the fact that they had a great recruiting class, this mm-hmm. is the year. They have, got, they, they have got to find a way to get over the hump because it's not just that they haven't won the West. They have not, they've not even come in second in the West yet here. Yeah. I mean, yeah. think about that. For, you know, A&M, with the money they're paying Jimbo, I don't expect them to be better than Alabama. But if you can't even come in second in the West in a year, I think it's disappointing. And if they don't do better, if they don't get it done this year, I just think at some point you have to look at Jimbo and go, what, what are we doing here? And I look at the quarterback position. Okay, Haynes King, we've we seen what he's able to do. Max Johnson, we've seen what he was able to do at LSU. Transferring over to son of Brad Johnson. Who's going to be the guy there? Uh, you have Al Chain running back, uh, Aeneas Smith, who I think is very dynamic. But what worries me about them is that they lost so many people defensive line-wise that they, they counted on last year. Are those guys coming in this year, they're going to be able to hold up their end of the bargain because that defensive line is very valuable. And how'd they beat Alabama last year? With pressure, right? Pressure. Um, bringing the safeties from, from depth, bringing linebackers, and they were able to get to Bryce Young. But are they going to be able to do that this year with the defensive line that's not, not being so, uh, let's see, seasoned as we've seen the defensive line last year? Is there a Cincinnati out there? Is there a team that, like, nobody has in the playoff that finds a way to sneak in? I'll tell you this. Utah. I knew and you were going to say Utah. Utah's I'm going to say what, what Cameron Rising 
uh, as well as uh, Tavion Thomas, their running back, but also do not count out the USC Trojans. I think Lincoln Riley, it, because it's not like their schedule is going to be tough, tough, right? But don't count them out because you have the quarterback in Caleb Williams. You have Travis Dye, who transferred from Oregon. You have the Bolitnikoff Award winner, Jordan Addison. They have so many guys that transferred uh, to their team, but also you don't have that schedule being as tough. So they're a team that can possibly go undefeated and shock a lot of people. I'd throw it. I, you didn't bring him up. I know you're about to, but the Kentucky Wildcats with Will Levis, I think, is a good team as well. They've got a chance to be favored in 11 of their 12 games, and then they get Georgia at home and a and a potential top 10 pick in Will Levis, who ran all over Louisville. I'm just saying, if you want to throw him in there, you can. Candy and Carlin is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your car, home, motorcycle, commercial, auto, and more. It's all your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com. The best player on one NFL team wants out. So what does that mean for the team and for him? That's next here on ESPN Radio and ESPN+. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. Now, let's talk about the play of the week. The pressure to follow up Hypnotic and Cognac, weighing heavy on the team. Hypnotic was in the cup, blue, and ready for the play. And... Boom! Añejo Tequila came in with a smooth assist to Hypnotic's tropical fruit finish. Shaken, strained, poured. It was green and good! The playmaking splash shifted the tempo. Another great cocktail from the Hypnotic team. Every season is Hypnotic and Tequila season. Hypnotic Liqueur, Bardstown, Kentucky, 17% alcohol by volume. Hypnotic reminds you to think wisely, drink wisely. You know, people... People keep saying, I hear all these previews saying that the worst team in the NFL this year is going to be the Chicago Bears. And that's my team, and that makes me very sad. And I'm hoping that's not the case, but every piece of news that comes out of camp seems to make it worse and make it more likely that it will. It's Canty and Carlin, presented by Progressive Insurance, Matt Jones, Harry Douglas. Nobody knows more about the Bears than Courtney Cronin. She's ESPN's Bears reporter. Big story today, Roquan Smith is asking for a trade. It looked to me like when I when I heard hit, read his statement and then heard the GM statement that there was still wiggle room for something to work. They both seemed to at least give themselves outs if deals were made. Courtney, do you read it that way, or do you think we've reached a point of no return? No, I to, to the former. There's 100% a chance that they end up coming to an agreement at some point. I mean, you read Roquan's statement. The last thing he says is, I haven't spoken with the McCaskies, but blah, blah, blah. And then he's, you know, kind of like leaving the door open, but also saying, I don't know if anything's going to get fixed. Like you mentioned ownership. That is a negotiating tactic that a player who does not have an agent is using to try to steer things in the direction that he wants them to go. Like I've been on the phone the last couple hours with agents that uh, you know represent players in the NFL from from all 
spectrums, big name players, practice squad guys. And I've just kind of been asking, well, what do you do in this situation? And one agent I just spoke with said that, you know, they didn't think his statement was harsh enough that he could have kind of gotten his point out there a lot, uh, a lot more vigorously because the way that these negotiations have gone, um, you know, some agents I've spoke with, spoken with feel that it's been disrespectful of the player considering he does represent himself. This is a first time regime that we still are trying to figure out how they do business. And, you know, Ryan Poles today sounded kind of surprised that Roquan went this route and, you know, decided to put the, put the, you know, put everything out there of like, I would like to be traded out of here. But while, while Poles said he's still going to work towards this, he didn't rule out the possibility of a trade either. So from both sides, Matt, you're right. Like I see the possibility for both things happening, but it certainly does not close the door on them eventually getting a deal done with Roquan Smith. Courtney, when you look at the Bears uh, team right now and how it's constructed, you look at first-year head coach Mike Eberflus and Justin Fields going into his second year, how would those two guys be evaluated this season? It's hard. And, I mean, they're going to need you to come out of retirement because David Moore just went down today <laughs> and they have no receivers. So, And I saw Jeez. you were at, at, at Falcons camp today. So, you know, stretch out your hamstrings, Harry, because they're going to need somebody here to catch the ball that's not Darnell Mooney. And I think that's the tough thing for Justin Fields because he's in a spot that you want to see a big jump year one to year two. We talk about it with all the first-round quarterbacks from last year uh, and what we project from them this year. But you also know at the same time he's not exactly in the best spot to, you know, follow through on that sort of – path and and follow through on that growth like you want answers on the quarterback but this team is very much in a rebuild mode right now and it's going to take a year if not two to get to a point where you're going to know if this guy is your quarterback or not so I think he's in the toughest situation of any second year quarterback that we talk about considering what's not around him and all that he's going to be expected to do for a franchise that's starved for a, fran- a franchise quarterback. Um, they haven't had one. They've had a lot of quarterbacks over the last 70 years, and he could become the most uh, important draft pick that they've ever had if he pans out. But we're not going to know that after this year if we look at this realistically because the team still has a bunch of talent deficiencies, and that doesn't help a quarterback assume his potential uh, by any stretch. All right, so I keep hearing. All I hear is negativity about the Bears. It's just if they're going to be terrible, they don't have this, they don't have that. So, Courtney, I want you to do me a favor before we let you go. I want you to put on the hat of the optimistic fan, the person making the case to me that the Bears are going to be relevant and they're going to be a team that won't only bring me misery. What is that case? I think you have to look at it projecting this thing out, Matt, like – you know, if this is a 3-14 and 14 team, like, no one should be surprised because how much undoing they had to do before they could even start making moves this offseason. And it feels like there have been some missteps along the way. Um, the optimism would be if they get a deal done with Roquan Smith. And then you there, you have one of your building blocks on defense for the next however many years. And then you can continue to add and, and, and change the direction that this team's going in. But you know, I think players have been pretty self-aware about how they see this thing going. And 
knowing that they probably are in for a long ride this year, but realizing that they do have a quarterback that could potentially be the answer at that position. They've got a thousand yard receiver that they really, really like and, and is a great player in Darnell Mooney and, and Cole Komet too, a young tight end who has a lot of potential. Like there's, there's pieces there that this team can continue to build around in the future. I just don't think you're, it would be short-sighted to think that they're all automatically going to be able to put all these pieces together and be a really good team this year. It wasn't very optimistic, I have to say. Now I'm, I think I'm even more depressed. The best thing to look forward to is a player who wants to leave might stay. But that's okay. Courtney's being realistic, even if she didn't make me optimistic. Courtney, thank you very much for your time. We appreciate it. I, I appreciate it, guys. I'm sorry I let you down. Harry, go stretch out those hamstrings, and I'll see you at camp in a week. There we go. Harry's ready to go right, play Court. again. All right, all right. So, Harry, real quick, <laughs> I want to give you a chance to showcase your NFL knowledge and to sort of impart to people yep. what they need to know. I want you to give me the NFL season about to start. There's yep. always some guys who make a big leap and who are a lot better than they were last year. If you were going to pick a handful of those guys, who would they be? Number one, we'll go with Jalen Hurts. And just because what he brings to the table in the run game, uh, the Eagles had the number one run offense last year, but they traded for a guy named A.J. Brown, who I think is going to do tremendous things uh, to pair him up along with the rest of the guys in that wide receiver group. Uh, Next, I have Trey Lance. I don't think any second-year quarterback is in a better situation than Trey Lance. When you talk about uh, Debo Samuel, uh, Brandon Ayuk, you talk about George Kittle, Kyle Juszczyk, and himself in that defense, what they have. Thirdly, I have Drake London. I had, I'm fortunate enough to be able to go to Falcons practices. I was with them out there in the spring. I was out there today uh, just watching him move in the natural feel that he has to get open at the top of routes. And he's big, he's strong, he's physical. I think he's going to do some great things this year. Next, I have Asante Samuel Jr., and I played with his father, and his father's nickname was Mr. Pick Six, and it was for a reason. But the reason why I have him as a breakout player is because they brought over J.C. Jackson, who is going to take away number one receivers, and quarterbacks are not going to want to throw the football at J.C. Jackson. We better so you stop you there, James. Harry. You're, 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 you're breaking up on us, and so we may need you to, to, to fix that situation. It's hard to hear you, but we, have, but we got four of the five. The fifth one, by the way, for him was Trevor Lawrence, if you were uh, – I see on his list he likes Trevor Lawrence – to get much better we'll get harry back on here and let him give the case for trevor lawrence here in just a bit but also one of the greatest to ever do it is going to say goodbye we will have someone to reflect on just how good was serena williams and is there anybody close in another sport but remember that canty and carlin is presented by progressive insurance progressive insurance makes you as happy as serena makes tennis happy and we'll get into it next on espn radio Tired of ads interrupting your favorite sports podcasts? Good news. Ad-free listening is available on Amazon Music, included with your Prime membership. Amazon Music offers the most ad-free top podcasts. Enjoy shows like First Take, Pardon the Interruption, and The Low Post, available ad-free and uninterrupted. To start listening, download the Amazon Music app or go to Amazon.com slash ESPN pods. That's Amazon.com slash ESPN pods to catch up on the latest episodes without the ads. Hi, this is ESPN's Mike Greenberg, and ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sports book of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today, and new users get $100 in bonus bets for making any sports book bet. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. 
Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. It is Canty and Carlin here on ESPN Radio, Sirius XM Channel 80. Matt Jones, Harry Douglas. I'm kind of excited, Harry. I'm not going to lie to have this next guest because I got to geek out for a second. I'm a big tennis guy, and there's one of the things I liked was late August, turning on USA at night, seeing James Blake playing a big match and getting the crowd in New York ready to rock. He'd have me up screaming and getting excited. I got to say, I've never talked to him before, so bringing James Blake on ESPN's tennis analyst. James, I got to admit, I'm a little bit I'm a little bit fanboying over here. I hope that's okay. <laughs> I love to hear it. I, I, you know, I don't. I, I have those fond memories as well of, of late August and the U.S. Open, and now I'm just thrilled and lucky to get to still be a part of it as a commentary team. But man, those nights were special. U.S. Open is a, is one amazing tournament and, a, and an event. And I always said it's tough to get New Yorkers excited, but for some reason they got excited for those. Well, they do. Weeks, so I loved it. I've I've been. I covered it three years, and it is a a really good night match at the U.S. Open is a special energy. Well, we're here. We got you, of course, because of the decision by Serena to, she didn't say the word retire, but certainly insinuates or stepping away uh, from tennis. And let me ask you this question before, before we talk about Serena's legacy, just that decision, she talks in detail about how anguishing it is to make that determination that this thing you've done your whole life is ending. You had to do that. All athletes have to do it. What is it like to make that decision? It's difficult, and a lot of people um, really struggle with it, especially if it's not entirely on their own terms, and I think that's what would have been even more difficult for Serena if she had really been gone without um, these last couple of events, without playing Wimbledon this year, without playing this U.S. Open, um, because it would have ended last year at Wimbledon with an injury, and that's tough for any athlete, because especially one with the, you know, one of the greatest careers of all time in Serena, to, to not go out on your own terms, not have your goodbye, not say uh, say your farewell the way you want to. I mean, no one wants to. Uh, that's why I can imagine this decision for her is extremely difficult because she is a competitor through and through. The reason that she is so special is because physically she's impressive, but mentally what she did and what she, how her focus was, how bad she wanted to beat you every single day, every single practice, every single match, was really uniquely special. I mean, I've been around pro athletes a lot of my life, um, and the two that stand out for me are her and Michael Jordan to, to have that mentality. Um, you know, a lot of them have it, but they just embody it to, to me, a different level um, with that killer instinct. And so for her to ever admit that she's actually faltering and she may not be at the stage where she was at for most of her career, where every tournament she entered, she believed she could and would win that event. So for now, I'm afraid she's at a point where she's getting to that that stage in her career where, you know, we do always say Father Time is undefeated. But, you know, Serena's given it the best, (laughs) given Father Time about the best run I've ever seen anyone give uh, give him. But, um, you know, at this point, she's probably at a point at at a, a place in her career where she may not feel like she's going into the U.S. Open with the ability to win it. And that is something that she doesn't, I don't think she can continue her career that way because her mentality is that I go to win. Looking at Serena James and what she's been able to mean to tennis, but not just tennis, but so many people outside the game and gave so many people hope, when you think about her name, what is her legacy in your eyes? Well, I think her legacy will continue. I mean, she's going to have her name on plenty of courts, I'm sure. She's going to have her name on plenty of awards and trophies and things. But, um, I mean, you see you see her legacy already in Madison Keys, Sloan Stevens. 
uh, Taylor Towns and Coco Golf, um, a lot of players that uh, may not have picked up a tennis racket if not for seeing Serena and Venus um, having success as they were having. Um, so I think you're going to see her legacy um, throughout American tennis, men and women, and um, giving them an unbelievable role model. And um, I think she's shown through so much of it how mentally tough she has to be. You know, tennis is a sport that, that takes a, a pretty intense um, mental makeup. And for her to be number one for so many weeks in a row, for so many weeks in her career, and have that target on her back, she also came out with a lot of hype. Everyone knew Serena Williams' name before she played her first WTA event uh, because of Venus's success, because of the way they did it where they were unique and not playing a lot of junior events. Um, knowing that they had this this hype and this and they they were confident in their ability, so showing that she can withstand everything that was thrown at her in terms of the mentality of everyone wanting to come get her, everyone wanting to beat her, even before she was number one in the world, and then after she was number one in the world, that just intensifying. I think that shows people that um, that there is something really special and unique about her, but also hopefully people believe they can do it too because. Uh, because she was able to do that and show such a I mean, somewhat superhuman type of ability. I have made the argument on here all day that Serene, the gap between Serena and whoever is the second best of all time, I'm going to say it's maybe Steffi Groff, but whoever you think it is, mm-hmm. is the greatest gap of any sport and the best athlete in that sport that I can think of. The only ones we've seen that were close were maybe Gretzky and hockey. You play yeah, it. That's Do great, you agree with that? That's, that's a, a great. I'm, I'm thinking of the other sports, and I, I think that may be that may be accurate. I, I would I would probably say so. Um, the only caveat maybe if you're if you're counting all tennis players, because by the end of Novak's career, uh, by the end of Rafa's career, maybe there's a chance they could get closer to what she's done. But um, if you're talking women's tennis players. The gap between her and, yeah, Steffi, Martina, Chrissy um, may be bigger than anyone. And uh, Gretzky for a while might have had it, but it seems like um, Ovechkin, I I don't know a ton about hockey, but from what I've seen, a little bit I know about it, Ovechkin is is closing in on some of those records. So um, he may at least not have such a wide gap by the time he's done competing. So, yeah, Serena, that could be the, the biggest gap. And, you know, right now, I would argue that she's the greatest tennis player of all time, not greatest women's player of all time, greatest tennis player. Um, and that's even in the era of Novak, Roger, and Rafa being the greatest male players of all time. Um, she may be the greatest player. It is crazy that we got to watch as tennis fans the greatest, in your words, player with Serena. And on the men's side, arguably the three greatest players of all time playing against each other at the same time. It's, it's- sort of amazing, isn't it? It really is. It's an absolute golden era. We've got, uh, you know, like, as you said, by far and away the greatest women's player of all time. And we've got three of the greatest men's players playing at once. And I think it's so it's so cool and unique to see how they've pushed each other because you wonder, there's the talk that, oh, you know, maybe Roger would have won 28 if there had been no Rafa. Maybe Rafa would have won 28 or 30 if there had been no Roger. And if Novak hadn't been Novak, like who would have won, you know, and all these, things, all these kind of permutations. But I also think they were pushing each other because sometimes I feel like number ones in the world, not that I can speak from experience, just from being around them, is that they once they get there and they don't necessarily have as much pushing them, sometimes they lose a little bit of that fire. And sometimes that can take its toll after a little while. 
But these guys were competing with history every time they were out there. So they actually had something to compete with, even though they were number one in the world. They're still pushing because, hey, you know, normally once, once Roger got to 15, a lot of people would have thought, oh, no one's ever going to touch 15 grand slams, 17 grand slams. Now maybe he can take it easy, but wait a minute. Now Rafa comes up. Now Novak comes up, and they're winning all these grand slams. So now there's this motivation of 20 grand slams isn't enough. I need to keep winning more and more and more of these. So you wonder if they have really, really upped the bar every single time to really make each other, to make the three of them the greatest uh, of all time because they had each other. Or would they have been the same and maybe even greater without it? It's fun. That's fun water cooler talk. That's fun talk to have on the radio like this. Um, what do we think would have happened? I don't know. But I, I, I love the fact that they, in my opinion, they've all made each other better. And Roger, yeah. Rafa, and Novak have made each other better. And Serena was I think she was competing with history for a long time because I don't feel like she had a true rival. I mean, no. she had some great matches with Ennin. She had some great matches with Kleister. She had great matches with her sister. She had, um, you know, some great matches with Moresmo. She had a lot of people that came in for, you know, short periods of time to, to really compete with her. But she didn't have the Chrissy Martina uh, type of rivalry. She didn't have Steffi Graf, even Arancha Sanchez, Vicario, and Bellis for time for, for, for parts of that time. Uh, she didn't really have that. I don't feel like, because like you said, she was the most dominant athlete in any one sport, um, very possibly for her entire career. James Blake, great stuff. ESPN tennis analyst. Thank you very much for your time. My pleasure. Thanks for having me guys. It is Canty and Carlin presented by progressive insurance. Harry Douglas and I have had quite a day together. So now we're going to end it the way you end it. It's three up and three down next here on ESPN radio. 10 seconds on the clock. How many things can you name that are always growing? Your relationships, your skills, your customer base. How about businesses on Shopify? (laughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash network, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash network now to grow your business. No matter what stage you're in, shopify.com slash network. Annie and Carl here on ESPN Radio. Matt Jones, Harry Douglas. Tonight, Harry is the premiere of Hard Knocks following the Detroit Lions. I always like Hard Knocks just as a show. I think it's very entertaining, but I also like it when the people they're following are crazy, and I feel like Dan Campbell may be crazy, and so I'm really looking forward to this season. You have been on Hard Knocks. What was it like? It was fun, man, and uh, one of the things that we, we met about, especially in the receiver room, because we were so real and authentic, is that we weren't going to change any damn thing that we did, and if they couldn't use something, they just couldn't use it, but we didn't want to uh, let the cameras in the meeting rooms uh, or let the cameras out there in the football field change who we were as people, so we were just as real and authentic as we possibly could be. Now, Coach got the final say of what got to be used, and we couldn't use everything because some of the things that Wait we did. Wait a minute, did the coach said, get to – did the coach get – Coach got to say no on, on footage? Of course. Everything has to go through the head coach at the end of the so day. So, wait a minute. The head coach would watch the show before it went on and said, you got to take that out? Oh, I mean, you would see certain things. But I would hope that anybody personnel-wise and head coach-wise would watch and see what's going out I don't know on live true, TV before it I, I don't know if it's out. true that coaches I, – I don't know if coaches get final editing power. If they do, you've, you've just broken a scoop. Okay, but let me ask you this. What if something is on there that's going to 
possibly damage people. You, like, let's be well, serious. That's here. happened over the years. They've had yeah. stuff on there that has damaged people over the years. I mean, they, there are a lot of people who their entire reputations have kind of come from what happened on that. I think of Hugh Jackson there with the Browns. You know, think about how much stuff they put on. Uh, they, they had him, uh, you know, they showed him, and I think it led to this idea that he didn't know what was going on. I, I think that, uh, <laughs> I think that, I, I think that's happened before, actually. You you have no comment on that. You no, can't I'm just sit there silently. I mean, yeah, I'm looking. I'm looking. I, I was on hard knock, so you take you you take my response on this, okay? Okay. So <laughs> I didn't know that. I mean, I mean, I honestly did <laughs> no, not because, know. Because listen, I was in a meeting room. I was in a room with me, Roddy White, Julio Jones, Devin Hester, Eric Wings. We are probably five of the most authentic human beings that you can get to be on hard knocks. But it was literally stuff like that's that's the decision we made. He's like, you know what, we're not gonna we're not gonna change who we are. They actually had me on there fighting against the Texans. I got in a fight against the Texans, and then uh, we had like a bowling scene. All of us going bowling, we we're playing spades. But there were times, man, we were like, hey, it is what it is. Yeah. Well, I'm looking forward to it with Dan Campbell. I don't know what he's gonna. I have a feeling that he is going to be a star after this. He is the reason why I'm going to watch Hard Knocks. Yeah, no, I think he's going to be a star. He, he is just, the reason why I'm watching Hard There's just Hard something Knocks. about him that suggests he's going to be good television. We would like to thank all of our guests over the course of the day. We've had a lot of guests. Rich Samini, James Blake, Courtney Cronin, Dan Graziano, Matt Schaub, all did excellent jobs, and we appreciate their time. But what we also appreciate is you for listening, and in order to thank you, it is now time for Three and Out. Sometimes it's the worst. Sometimes it's the best. Either way, we'll get you straight with everything you need to know. This is three and out. Bengals wide receiver Jamar Chase said he is better than his former LSU teammate Justin Jefferson, saying, quote, Ooh. he stole all of my moves. <laughs> well, Chris Canty, who, of course, host this show from time to time, said that Jamar Chase is going to be the best wide receiver in the NFL this year. Take a listen. When we start talking about Jamar Chase being so driven to be even better than he already was in his rookie season, when he went for, what, over 1,400 yards and 13 touchdowns, that is going to have a huge impact. All right, so I'm going to ask you, you're a wide receiver guy. Is Do you agree with Chris Canty? Is Jamar Chase going to be the best wide receiver in the entire league? He has an opportunity to be. You but is he going to be? Just relax. Let me finish. Let me finish, Matt. When you look at a guy who missed a year of football at LSU, and then he comes into the National Football League and basically dominates the league by storm and has Joe Burrow throwing him the football, he has to be ten- the potential to be that if he continues to go on the path that he's going on. I just don't see you know what he's going to run. The thing is, can you stop it? He's physical. He's fast. I've never seen someone get jammed at the line of scrimmage like I've seen him get jammed. But it doesn't phase him. He continues his route, throws the corner off, and catches a slant for a touchdown for 60-plus yards. So he has all the intangibles. You talk about tracking the football in the air and not letting contact bother him. Uh, he, he has everything that you want in a wide receiver. And then it, it actually does help that he has Joe Burrow, a guy that he played with at LSU. But if I'm picking between – Chase and and Justin Jefferson, I'm going to go with Jamar Chase. Now, I would say this. Justin Jefferson, I think, is a better route runner. 
um, and, and is better in the slot. But I think Jamar Chase is a game breaker more so than Justin Jefferson is. There's a lot of criticism and or questioning when the Bengals ended up taking Jamar Chase, but it clearly worked. I mean, there was all the, well, he can't catch, you know, he, he, he has too many drops. Whether it was the LSU connection or not, that has worked out exceedingly well. Now, just recently here, just 20 minutes ago, a federal judge has ruled against the golfers, Matt Jones, Taylor Gooch, and – Dustin Johnson, who who filed uh, in federal court asking to be able to play in the FedEx Cup because they had qualified with the regular points. The judge denied their motion and a big win for the PGA Tour legally saying that the golfers will not suffer irreparable harm because they are actually making more money on the Live Tour than they would on the PGA Tour. So they don't have a basis to be able to be – uh, forced to play in the FedEx Cup. First win in what will be a continued series of legal battles between the PGA Tour and the Live Tour. Point one, Harry, goes to the PGA Tour. Yeah, and I, and I think what, just moving forward, um, I just think things need to be more click-cut when it comes to the two sides. When you talk about Live Golf and you talk about the PGA Tour. Um, but you see these players, man, they're going over to, to live golf to, to take that money, that money that they know that's not guaranteed. Well, it's pretty it clear they're to... not going to be playing on the PGA Tour. I think they've well, been very uh, well, clear about that. that. Uh, and, but that's but, one of the things moving forward, though. Yeah. Well, they're not going to be I, – I, I am fascinated by this legally because I think both these sides have interesting arguments. But it will be interesting to see if, if the PGA Tour keeps winning these in court because I think the golfers that went to the Live Tour thought, A, they could get the money, and B, eventually they'd win in court and they could play in both either way. If they lose in court, they're still going to have all that money. But I think all of them believe that one day they'd get to come back and play on the PGA Tour. Yeah. That might not be the case. Now, they're going to have a lot of money, and so it'll probably be okay – but it is interesting because that is a big first victory for the PGA. I'm sure well, they are celebrating. And when you look at the PGA Tour, I think the times that they need to be worried is when Live Golf can find TV deals and that money come in for that way. Until that happens, I don't think the PGA Tour has anything to worry yeah, about. Nobody even knows who wins these tournaments. Now, Chris exactly. Sale, his 2022 season is now over. The Red Sox announced he underwent successful surgery Monday to repair a broken wrist that he suffered in a biking accident over the weekend, he will miss the rest of the season but re be ready for spring training. The Red Sox at least still have a small chance of making the playoffs. Huge loss here. You think riding a bike is a forgivable way to get injured during the season? Oh, you, it's just something you don't want to do, especially when you see the history of guys in sports, period, when it comes to these bikes. But you look at the Boston Red Sox right now where they're sitting wild card-wise at three games out. Uh, four and a half games out, excuse me. Uh, but you look at that division, you have the Yankees right now, number one, and you have Toronto, you have the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, the Boston Red Sox have been very, very disappointed. I remember they had a game recently, not too long ago, where I was literally saying to myself, they look like the bad news bears. So they have to get it going if they want a chance at getting a wild card spot and making the NBA, uh, MLB playoffs. I don't know how you look at your teammates or at least look at your bosses and say, sorry, I'm out for the year because I crashed my bike. Look at Fernando I mean, one thing, Jr. Like, you look at that situation. Yeah, like, it is a terrible way, especially for a team 
that had at least playoff aspirations. Harry, it was fun. We appreciate it. More on ESPN Radio next.